there's this horrible thought process going on right now of fake it till you make it mm-hmm. and just figure it out. And while I think that the underlying thought process behind fake it till you make it is genuine, mm-hmm. that it's been completely ruined in what we think of today. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Every now and then you get introduced to a guest that just makes you light up inside and jump at the things that they're saying. And I am super excited to share with you Mendy Odlin. She's the founder and CEO of the What If Up Club, a nonprofit organization on a mission to spread hope, build connection, and inspire positive change. She is the author of the wildly popular book, What If It All Goes Right? Creating a New World of Peace, Prosperity, and Possibility. She has spoken to audiences all around the world about the power of positive thinking and works with individuals, organizations, and youth groups to bring good ideas to life. With over 20 years of experience as a keynote speaker, workshop leader, mastermind facilitator, Mendy is known for her fun, energizing personality that leaves audiences feeling uplifted, empowered, and eager to leap into action. She recently moved to New York where she hosts the What If It All Goes Right podcast, and you're likely to find her sipping a chai tea, enjoying time outdoors, and grinning from ear to ear for no apparent reason. She sounds like our kind of crazy, right? I'm really excited for this. I know how many of you are listening to this that are building courses, that are aspiring speakers, that are mastermind creators, and the conversations that we're going to have about human connection and how to shift your perspective to make sure that you are making the most impact as possible is going to completely blow your mind. So stay tuned for that. Before we dig into that, I want to quickly remind you that this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Design Your Life Group Coaching Program. We all need that support. It's the reason that coaches have coaches. So if you feel like you have hit this plateau on where your success is. If you feel like you've done everything right and you're still missing something, let's go ahead and talk about what it is that we can do to help you find that next level of success, fulfillment, purpose, and passion. In the group coaching program, you'll get to meet other people who are like-minded like you and building something that is going to take over and make an amazing impact on the world. If you are interested in having a conversation to see if it's a good fit, go ahead and head over to successdevelopmentsolutions.com slash contact, and let's jump on a call to see how we can get you on the path to designing your life and having the courage to live it. And with Without further ado, let's have this conversation with Mendy. Mendy, how are you? Fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, me too. I'm excited to have you. So first of all, I want to dig in really quickly to this obvious, amazing energy that you have. Is this something that has always been natural for you? Or is this something that you have trained yourself to see the good in things? (laughs) I'd I'd like to think that um, I trained myself to do it. You know, as I look back, I I feel like when people ask me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've always been like this. But the truth is, I used to always listen to like the really downer, you know, the the Mm. bummer nights. Uh, I, I was in like Texas and every like Austin used to have these bummer nights where you could hear all the sad songs. And I used to love that stuff. I used to love listening to the sad stuff and sitting in my room alone. And, you know, so I, I, well, I think I've always been like this. If I really look back, I can see that it wasn't necessarily the case. In fact, I was really shy as a kid. I had a speech impediment. So I had like all kinds of self-doubt insecurities, felt terrified to open my mouth. I had, braces, I had glasses, I had braces, like the headgear, like the whole thing. And when I went in to have my teeth done, they pulled out all these teeth. So I had this little, mm. like four teeth left. And, and the only way I looked 
quasi normal was if I would smile because otherwise I kind of look like a bunny. So I, I think I learned when I was around 13, 14, just smile. So you look a little more normal. And so you're a little less of an outcast. And <laughs> the thing is when you, when you change your physiology, it changes everything. Yes. So it's just by simply putting that smile on, even though it was more of an aesthetic, don't mess with me <laughs> smile. Yeah. Now it's real. And, you know, I think sometimes that's the place to start is just how do I need to change my physiology? Because that makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. So side note, before we go into my next question, as a communicator, it is always my favorite moment when you're talking to somebody and they're giving an answer. And then you see them take that deep breath, like you just did, where you're like, all right, are we going to do this? Like, I guess let's go. Because <laughs> um, you're like, okay, what amazingness is coming next? <laughs> There's this horrible thought process going on right now now of fake it till you make it mm -hmm. and just figure it out. And while I think that the underlying thought process behind fake it till you make it is genuine, mm -hmm. that it's been completely ruined in what we think of today. So what is your opinion on fake it till you make it? And how have you worked that into what you're doing? Yeah, it's, there are so many paradoxes when you start looking at personal growth and you know, your own personal development. So yeah, you can change your physiology. Fake it till you make it to me is saying change your physiology. So if I'm showing up in, if I come into a networking event or I come into a training or I come into a workshop, I come into a community and I'm showing up like everyone else has got this figured out, but I don't. I'm the one person who doesn't know what I'm doing. And I have all of this self-doubt, you know, that's in my head. If that conversation is showing up in my body, then I can say, okay, well, I'm going to pretend as if I'm a successful person. I'm going to pretend as if I have something to give. Now, the truth is those things are all true, but yes. if that's not what we feel is true and we're showing up with that, then it's not, it's going to perpetuate itself, right? So if I can show up in the room and say, okay, I may not be feeling it right now, but I'm going to pretend as if I am a powerful, successful course developer or speaker or whatever your dream is. If I'm going to show up as if I am that, the truth is there is a part of you that is already that. It's just you're stepping into it. Yes. So that's the change your physiology, change the way you show up, change your results. And that's gotten the label, fake it till you make it. I think that's a little toxic, right? Yes. <laughs> On the other side of that is be authentic. Yeah. Be real. Let people know. I don't think I have it all figured out. I'm learning one step as I go, but it's that fine line of I'm going to, I'm going to own that piece of me that's getting born before it's fully manifest to help it be birthed. And that's what I think that means. Oh my gosh. I knew I was going to love this conversation. <laughs> so I agree with you. And I think that what's happened is in a world where we connect so energetically, mm -hmm. when you walk in and you don't believe that something is true, there's just this energetic disconnection with everybody around you, right? Mm -hmm. And then in a world where we are more than ever craving authenticity and transparency and vulnerability, I think that the traditional fake it till you make it mentality is being twisted to say, don't tell anybody that you don't have it figured out mm -hmm. and pretend that you're good until you actually are good. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are two very different things. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, um, it's healthy to, uh, to show up strong. Like, you know, I, I like to do this, like before I walk into an event, before I walk into a room, I like to take a moment to get clear on what is it that I hope to receive out of this experience and then own it, you know, like that I am worthy of that, that I am capable yeah. of that, that this is possible, you know, and then to show up with the humility to be there of service. Yeah. So here's what I'm open to receive. Here's who I am in this conversation. And ultimately, how can I help? How can I help others? Yeah, I think that there's a level of intention to that, mm -hmm. that people lack in most of their social interactions. Which is and why we're so lonely. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. And yeah. you know, I struggled with that for so long because I thought if I go into this conversation like with a um, intention, then I'm 
salesy or I have an agenda or I'm manipulative, right? And and that's not it at all. It's what like you're spending and investing your time in an engagement, whether it's this podcast, whether it's a networking event, whether it's a sales call and understanding what the purpose of you being there is, is critical. And I fought that internal battle of, man, this just feels dirty to have an intention for so long. Yeah. And that's because when we walk into most networking situations, what we're met with is everybody's agenda. What we're met with is everybody kind of, you know, pouring onto <laughs> us. Um, you know, do you want my my widget? You know, it's like, oh, there's a yes. new person. Have you ever been the new person in a networking group and just felt the yes. zoning in on the new person and it doesn't feel good. It feels like you're prey as, yep. as opposed to being collaborative. But whenever I get when you're truly collaborative, you're in a community where you understand that everybody is there because everyone is creating something. Yeah, one hundred percent. What your thing is, so that you can be there for other people as well. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Every time I get an email for a networking event, and at the bottom it says, "Don't forget your business cards," I'm like, "I'm not even going." Right. <laughs> I mean, it's and and that's extreme, right? You still go. It's just this idea of like, what am I getting myself into? But I think what's really cool, and this is where people like you are going to change the world, is we one person has the ability to change the entire feeling of a networking room. And even that's if that's just for you, mm-hmm. like you can walk into a room like that. And if you have set your intention right, you can influence everyone around you. Oh yeah. The questions I love to ask are, um, what are you working on? And what do you need to take the next step? And when I find myself at one of those round tables where everybody's awkwardly like poking at their scrambled eggs for breakfast and nobody's talking <laughs> That's my go-to is so, hey, I'm Mindy. Who are you? What are you working on? What do you need to take the next step? And then I like, okay, either I know someone who can help you or I file that away so that if I ever meet that person that can help you, I can be a connector. And it's a question to get conversation going. I love that. So going back to teenager Mindy, who is teaching herself to, or Mendy, I'm sorry, who is teaching herself to smile because that's how you felt most comfortable. Mm -hmm. What did you see for her? I mean, you've got this amazing career with human connection right now and um, author and mastermind and all of this amazing things you get to do. What did you actually think your life was going to look like when you were a teenager? You know, when I was a teenager, I'm trying to think back because I know, you know, as a, when I was really young, my first memory of what I wanted to be was I wanted to, well, like six years old, I wanted to be an ornithologist. What? A what? <laughs> an ornithologist. I, it's a bird watch. It's, it's someone who studies. Really? So when I was little, I used to have my, my parents had a bird feeder and I would sit at the window or I'd sit out in the backyard for hours and watch the birds come to the feeder, to the bird bath. And I just loved that. And that's what I wanted to do is study birds. I wanted to be a scientist. I didn't know what that meant, but, um, but I didn't <laughs> know what all just was, you know, but anyway, I, I, when I look back now, I'm like, that was my early training in mindfulness yes. and meditation and focus. And, you know, what do you see in this moment? So I look back on that. I'm like, okay, that isn't where I am now at all, but um, I learned so much about being present and being still through that. And then as I got older, I think, uh, you know, I was very, as I said, I had a speech impediment. I was really weird, awkward <laughs> growing up. And um, so I, you know, I, I was very isolated, very, uh, I just never felt like I really fit in anywhere. So there's always been that sort of, um, I don't want to speak up because you're going to make fun of the way I sound. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be seen because that's risky. And so I kind of had all that kind of baggage, but what happens with all of those things that feel difficult when we're 13, 14 years old is I feel like they give birth to this desire Mm -hmm. to be seen and to be heard and to share my voice and the quiet, you bring that to the quiet piece that's able to observe and to listen and that's really, I think, the the recipe that led me where I am today. I love it. And the, here's one of the reasons I asked this question. There's multiple reasons behind it, but you are the perfect example of so many times that childhood memory that we have 
of where we want to be spending our time, the qualities, the skills, the the purpose behind that is somehow related to mm -hmm. what we're doing as adults when we're actually living our purpose. And the moment you said bird watcher, I thought, man, that's no different mm -hmm. than what you do now. And it makes you an amazing communicator. Yeah. Because you analyze every situation. And I remember somebody told me once we were talking about networking and I said, you know, sometimes it is so hard for me to walk into a networking group when, you know, I start first started my business and he says, it shouldn't be hard. It should be exciting. Mm -hmm. And I said, why should it be exciting? And he says, did you ever step back and think that for that moment, every single person in that room has something in common and you get to go find out what that is. And I was like, I, I, it has changed my approach to networking. Mm, I love it. Yeah. So I did not expect this conversation to go down networking, although I'm glad that it did because <laughs> it leads so much into what you do as a speaker, as a leader, as um, a mastermind facilitator. And I want to focus on that last one for just a minute. I feel like mastermind is something that is popping up everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. And nobody's definition of it is wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think what's happening is people are throwing out the word without defining it. And then there's confusion about what you're getting. So mm -hmm. I want to know for you, what do you think a mastermind is? And what are the major elements of it in your mind? Well, I go back to Napoleon Hill and his book, Think and Grow Rich, because that's really where the term mastermind came from. And for him, I think it was, it has sort of a spiritual undertones to it because he talked about how when two or more are gathered, this sounds very Jesus-y, but when two or more <laughs> are gathered, that there is a, a third presence that we draw into us that he called the mastermind, that there is, there is me and there is you. And you would think that one and one is two, but it's not true. When you come together with the intent of helping and serving each other, one and one is not two anymore. There is something more that comes to the conversation. So for all that we are able to do on our own, it pales in comparison to what we can do when we are showing up for each other. And to me, that's what a mastermind group is. It's a commitment to my own personal growth in the context of a larger group where I'm also equally committed to the success and growth of everyone in my group. I think that's an amazing definition. I want to focus on the accountability side of this for just a minute, because I've always been, you know, focusing on human behavior and knowing that how we do one thing is how we do everything. And many people will join masterminds with the intention of being held accountable or holding others accountable when the problem in their life is accountability. Um, and this is one of the reasons that I really think overall, like, friendship-based accountability groups fail because nobody's really holding them accountable. So yeah. what do you think are some of the qualities of a strong mastermind leader to be able to be that person that can bring that all out? Such a great question. Well, I know we have small groups and we have a specific structure for the group. And that structure is important because I think as we bring people together in relationship, and obviously you're going to get very close to the people in your mastermind group. You should. I mean, if not, that means you're probably not focused broadly enough on serving each other. But when a group is really your heart's in the right spot, everyone's helping each other. You fall in love with each other. This becomes like a family and, you know, you're there to support each other, which makes it very difficult to be, step into the role of I am the authoritarian of this family. I am the parliamentarian of this group. So that is why we have a very specific structure for it. And it's important for any mastermind group to, to me, to have a structure that you all agree to, that you don't show up into this group without knowing, here's the structure, here's the expectation, and that the role of the leader is really to hold the structure and that everyone knows that that's the role of the leader. Now, we also tell everybody this structure exists so that the group works, because if you don't have the structure, then it's going to end up just being you know, a knitting club. It's going to be a social yeah. gathering where we're just going to yap, 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 yap. And it'll be fun, but it won't move the needle in terms of what we want to create. So the structure is there to support us in, for, in our case, our structure is there to support us in being able to quickly identify old patterns that are yeah. running 
And to be able to turn those around, it's like, oh, there you go. That's it. And we're going to call each other out on that. And we're going to do it in a way that is um, filled with love and possibility. You know, so here's our structure. So we're going to, we're going to, if you start going down that tunnel, we're just going to start going up that tunnel so that you can see that you were going down that tunnel. And so we have, you know, trainings for our, our group leaders, but there's also having the structure so that it's not that I don't love you. It's that we've all committed to the structure. Yeah, and absolutely. For this time together, for this time together, it's about the structure. And outside of this mastermind structure, we can just hang out and have a great time. But within it, it's there to serve. I think that that is one of the things that's missing when, you know, I mentioned before that people aren't really defining what it means to them. So I see so many social media posts. I see so many, and I've been guilty of it in the past. I see so many um, ads for masterminds and they're like, Hey, just come join my mastermind. Well, this idea of like, everyone agrees to it. I know when I launched my first one, I was like, I it had 10 people in it. And I was like, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to find a date. I'm going to find a time that works for everybody. We're going to do this in a way that works for everybody. And I tried to run it by committee and mm -hmm. it, tanked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I was talking to my coach and I'm like, but I tried so hard to accommodate everybody. And mm -hmm. she's like, well, that's the problem. Right. She's like, you should have this built out, have the dates of your calls, tell them when everything's going to be and allow them to insert themselves into that structure. And I thought, but like, she's like, Amber, if it's important, they'll find a way. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And, and I think this is what's missing is like that every we want everybody to feel like they're a part of the mastermind. And I don't know who I was listening to most recently, but they were taught, Oh, it was a leadership. It was a leadership seminar. And he was talking about leading your team. And he says, believe it or not, your team wants to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. Like they don't want the freedom that you think they want. They mm -hmm. want to know what their expectations are. Yeah. And fulfill those. Yeah. And I feel like if we took that into this mastermind space, we could make such a bigger impact. Yeah. Like which kind of group would you want to be in? Would you want to be in where everyone's like, yeah, whatever. It's cool with us. Or would you want to be in a mastermind group where it's like, you know, we expect you to be here on time. We expect yeah. you to let us know, you know, if something's going on in your life, we expect you to do what you say you're going to do. And if you're not, we love you, but there's, you know, it's cause and effect. It's not judgment. It's just like, this is the kind of group that this is. And if that's not the group that you are ready for or that you're wanting right now, then it's, there's other groups that can serve you. Um, but I do think it is, yeah, as you mentioned, and I've had the same conversation in my head of trying to please everybody. And I need to make sure it's the time it works for everybody. And then you start, start trying to wiggle around the schedules. And then sure enough, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but the person that you rearrange everything for, who is like, I can only do it at 4.30 in the morning on Tuesdays, every full moon. And so you rearrange <laughs> it for that person. And then who's the person who doesn't show up? Every time. Every single time. So why not make it something that works for you? So like, this is my group. This is how it works. This is when it is. And I think what stops us from doing that is that, is that I call it what if downing. What if they yeah. don't come if I don't give them the option? What if what if I need to do this in order to fill my group? And that's all lack and scarcity. So it is you know? that what if question and it raises its head in so many different ways other than what if to mm -hmm. where you're like, Oh, I'm not what ifing. I'm just yeah. being a responsible leader. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in the back of your head, you're like, what if, what if, right. Um, so this leads right into what if, right. So I, wish that I could jump up and down and not shake my camera, but I can't. So what if it all goes right? Mm -hmm. I love this question. I ask it to my clients all the time. I think that it is the best way to change perspective really quickly because we never think about what goes right. We always think about what goes wrong. Right. So for you, when did this become the driving force in your life and your brand? Oh, you know, when I first began as an entrepreneur. So I was a, um, when I really first started stepping into my dream, like, which was, I want to be a transformational speaker. I want to change people's lives with my message. That was the dream. And of course I came from this background of being very shy and, you know, so it was a big, big step, but I had this opportunity to work at a summer program, an experiential accelerated learning 
summer camp for kids, for teens. And I worked with this amazing group of facilitators. And I remember after my first day, I had done all this training, learned every script, you know, like all in. I, I literally, I quit my job so I could work this summer camp. And I'm like, I am going to learn this and I'm going to, you know, like, this is the dream. This is step one of the dream. And I show up the first day and, oh, it was just awful. I mean, I, I couldn't hold a room full of high school students. I couldn't hold their attention. You know, it's like all the self-doubt is just awful. And I remember at the end of the day, um, one of my co-facilitators was like, you know, so what could you do different next tomorrow? And I'm like, I could do this and I could do this and I could do this. And I'm like, okay, stop. You know, three things is enough. Three is enough. And then he said, okay, now what did you do well? And I'm like, <laughs> it was a dumpster fire. You know, it was. It was awful. And, but he wouldn't let go. He's like, you got, you came up with three that you could improve on. You got to come up with three that you could do better. And so I'm like, you know what? I showed up <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, okay. And I'm like, and I, I did the best I could. I literally gave it all I have and I'm still here. And tomorrow I'm going to show up and I'm going to do it again. And I think that's the key is, you know, you, you just keep showing up and you keep doing the best you can. And, and no matter how it goes, whether it's, you know, standing ovations or it's crickets. crickets you learn and you you move forward so getting through that phase of my business of like all the things that I want to do and then my reality being so different from what my vision of what I wanted to do would be you know it's like I have this vision I'm gonna step on stage it's gonna be fireworks and amazing and it's, it's not that you know it's, it's messy and so I found a group of entrepreneurs that we met on the phone every week and we would play this what if game and we would just say, you know, what if you're on track? What if you just keep showing up? What if what if you're just on a journey and this is one step of it? And what if you learn from it? And we would do this every single week just to retrain the brain to look for possibilities. Like, OK, this is good. This is good. This like that experience that seemed like such a train wreck is an, an experience that you've got to have to get from where I was to where I want to go. Yeah. And So that's where the process of what I call what if upping came from. And uh, so I, I practiced it first and then I started teaching it and then I started seeing it change people's lives. And so now I've just been what if upping ever since. <laughs> I really think um, I think it's fantastic for a couple of reasons. I've talked about this from the other side, not from the positive side. And um, when I talk about it, I always think of David Goggins book, You Can't Hurt Me. Mm. And he talks about how when he started training and trying to turn around his life and doing all of this stuff after he got out of the military, he would approach every situation and he would do an after action report, like a military after action report mm -hmm. for everything that he did. But that's inherently in my mind, a negative experience. Mm. And for you to take the exact same thing Mm -hmm. and turn it into a positive experience that so, cause I don't want to do an after action report. I don't want to submit something that I think of as this report card on what I did wrong. Mm -hmm. I would love to do a report card on what I did right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I love that you've taken that same thing and just switched it. Well, you know, it's the same, the same imagination that can have us play through our mind, every worst case scenario. And what do I do if this goes wrong? What do I do if that goes wrong? And what if this falls apart? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And all the stress and all the anxiety that goes with that, all of that is born out of the imagination. And when you say, what if it works out? And what if it all comes together? And what if this best case scenario happens? It's the same imagination. It's just putting it down a different road. And so you just get to choose, you know, am I going down the road that's going to lead me to stress and anxiety? Or am I going down the road that's going to lead me to showing up tomorrow and, you know, making the most of whatever today brought me? Yeah. And I think this is where pessimism gets or optimism gets lost, drops off. Mm -hmm. And action actually yeah. starts, right? Yeah. Um, because I feel like that idea of this like irrational optimist is a thing. Mm -hmm. It's like you're you're doing this exercise, and like sometimes you're just really pissed, right? Like you're yeah. really pissed at the way things went. Yeah. And it wasn't good and it wasn't okay. Right. And you still get to look at it as a positive thing. And I think that that's so needed because I swear to God, when I started this journey, if one more person looked at me and just said, Amber, you just got to be positive. I was going to poke them in the eye with my pen. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, we're not always there. We're not yeah. always there. And the goal we're is not. not 
to always be sunshine and butterflies because that's not always the reality. The goal is to be able to pick yourself up and find a reason to take the next step, you know, to be able to say, okay, why I, I, I was talking to my daughter, who's a climate activist. And, you know, we're talking about how difficult it is sometimes to have hope, you know, just to have hope. And I said, hope is so important because once we lose hope, the game is over. The game is over when you lose your hope. So this is a process of whatever happened today, whether it's going from good to great, or it's going from, you know, rock bottom to lifting my head up. Yeah. You know, how do you get to that next, next level? So whenever anybody starts to change certain things in their life, because if you do start this, what if practice from a positive way, you're going to change things in your life. Yeah. How did you reconcile the people that were ready to come along with those changes and the people who weren't? Oh, this is the best part. You're going to love this. The key is, this is the hardest thing for me to write about. It was the hardest thing for me to learn. The key to it all. Okay. This is like drum roll type moment. I'm so ready. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> the key is not getting attached, not getting attached. They don't have to get it. So when we can say, here's what I'm going to do. And I'm not attached to you going there with me. I'm not attached to you getting it. I'm not attached to you patting me on the back and celebrating, I'm not attached to you thinking it's even going to work. I'm just going to do my thing. And that that's, that's fine. That's fine. It's enough. And if we can really truly detach from what we want other people to say to us and do to us and, and affirm for us, if we can really detach from that and just do what we are, to me, it feels like a calling, what we are called to do, what, what our wisdom is guiding us to do, uh, then it becomes much, much easier, much, much easier. There's less resistance. It sounds so simple. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, not, so it's not. It's it's an it's a daily discipline, and so we have our community that where we get together and we practice this, just like you would go to the gym every day and and work out. We practice this every day because every day something shows up and it's like, okay, I'm jogging along and I'm having a great time and everything's you know what if it all goes right? Yes, yes, yes. I see it. I see it. I see it. And then something happens. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? That doesn't look like it's all going right. That doesn't look like it's got possibility in it. And so when we get stuck and inevitably we do, you know, life gives us things and like, I don't see, I don't see a way around this. We have community, we have mastermind, we have relationships where we can go and have this culture where there is a structure for saying, what if right now you just take a breath? We yeah. had, just had a mastermind group and that was it. It's like, oh, I'm so exhausted. Oh, I, I'm going through so much. I'm trying so hard, trying so hard. And we were like, well, what if you just take a breath? What if you do some self-care? What if you relax? And to have people give you permission to do the thing that you already know you want to do, sometimes that makes all the difference. 100%. I'm in a mastermind right now that um, of all the masterminds that I've been in, this is the first mastermind that I've been in where when we started, one of the things they asked us to do was build an SOS list. Mm. And I was like, what is this? Mm. And he says, it's the list of people that you tell them what they mean, what it means. And all you have to do is send them a text that says SOS. Mm. And it changed the game for me because sometimes you don't have the capability to express what you're feeling. Right. And if you can just tell somebody like SOS, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. And they get on the phone. And, and then it's like that conversation with the friend where they talk for 75 minutes and you say no words and then they say thanks for your help. And then you get to be the good friend. Yeah. 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 I think we sometimes we're afraid to be that SOS person for someone else because we don't know what to say. And uh, sometimes or because we haven't figured it out ourselves. Because we don't know. Like, I don't what know. help could I be to you? Yeah. Well, and that's some of the power of what if as well, because what if when you share this is about sharing possibilities. It's about sharing ideas and not from the sense that I know what's yours to do. But if I can't give you anything else, but an idea and you can take it, if you want it, you can apply it. If you want it, you can throw it out the window if you don't want it, but I love you enough to give you an idea that to me is positive to me might get you from where you are to that next step. Um, that's what we do. We, we gift each other with ideas and then we let go and trust that every single person has got something inside of them that's going to latch on to that thing that gives you hope, that thing that makes your hair stand up on your arms or whatever that thing is and says, go. I don't know what that is for anyone else but me, but I can share ideas. 
And I think that's a great way to be here for each other. You know, what's screaming at me right now is this don't get attached mentality mm -hmm. is the answer to everybody's sales problems, mm -hmm. to everybody's communication problems. Yeah. Like what if they say no? What if they do? What if, first of all, what if they don't? What if it all goes right? Right. Yeah. But what if they do? If you're not attached to the outcome, it's, it's so simple and it's so amazing. Um, so the book, what yes. if it all goes right? Yes. What was this process like? Is this your first book? I have written three books. It, okay. This is the one that is um, still out there. <laughs> so okay. This is the one that, you know, it's funny because I wrote the book like over 10 years ago and I kind of went on to other things, but this book just has a life of its own. It's one of those books that people, you know, I have people message me and say, I'm in chemo right now. And I brought with me your book. And I hear things like, you know, I just got, I just lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I got your book. <laughs> this book is something that, you know, friend gave me your book because I'm going through something. So it's, it has a life that is beyond me. And I have finally just kind of surrendered to the fact that it wants to, and maybe it's just the time it like now is the time to step up and create a structure where people can connect at this level of hope and possibility. And it's easy and it's fun and it's structured. It's like, you can learn it in like 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, like if you can master it really quickly and it makes such a transformational change in people's lives that um, it's, it's exciting to see how people use it in so many different ways. Of the books you've written, so you've written three, this is the one that's still out there. Yeah. Um, when you were writing it, did it feel different? It did. It did. This book took me three years to create. Um, and, and before that I was speaking and teaching. So I've actually been teaching this process for 20 years. And in the beginning, of course I used it for myself. And then I started using it uh, I worked with uh, colleges and I would go to college campuses and teach leadership and do retreats and things like that. And honestly, this process, this mastermind process that we used started out as an icebreaker. It was like, hey, this would be fun. This would be a good way to get to know people. And we play this little game. And, and then I found that the icebreaker was what everyone was following up and saying, you're not going to believe what just happened. Mm. You're not going to believe what has shown up for me. And so that happened for, you know, a decade before I sort of had the it was sort of always that seed of one day, I sh maybe I should write a book about this someday, someday, someday. And then about a decade ago, um, I just decided it was someday and started writing. And uh, I had a little tiny baby at home and was, you know, like working full time and chipping away in the evenings and, and doing my own workshops. And, you know, the book has tons of stories about people who are going through workshops and mastermind groups with me. So they were my, my guinea pigs and my case studies and, and uh, it was just a step-by-step -step journey. It has been a passion project, you know, for 20 years. Those seem to be the best ones. Yeah. So when people who are listening to this show say, oh my gosh, I have to read this book and they go get it, mm -hmm. what should they expect? What is the thing that you hope, other than the mentality that everything mm -hmm. goes right, um, what is the thing that you hope they take out of it? I hope they get a, first of all, a simple way of being able to quickly turn around a cruddy day, you know? So on those days when you don't see a way that this helps you like, oh, I remember I have this tool, there is a way. And I just need to shift my perspective so I can see it. So I hope like at the baby level that it gives you an easy way to create that shift. At a deeper level, I hope it inspires people to connect with others at the level of possibility. So whether it's, Hey, I'm going to throw a party at my house. I'm going to have a dinner party. We're going to sit around the table and we're going to do this thing. I had the whole process in the book. So if you want to do a little mastermind circle, the whole process is in the book, step one, two, three, here's all the rules. Here's how you do it. So you can do that, invite people to your house and experience it in a group. Um, or if that's like, no, I'm not one of those people. I'm not a facilitator. Uh, we have, you know, groups through our uh, nonprofit, which is called the what if up club. And it's a great way to get connected. So my hope is that it gives you a tool, but my greater hope is that we build connection with each other that we, um, I saw yesterday, I was taking a hike and I saw this broken spider web and I just felt this sense of 
your mission here is to repair that web. Mm. We're here to reconnect with each other. We've kind of lost our way and we're very polarized right now. And this is a way that we can come together and say, well, what do you want? And how can I help you? And what do you want? And how can I help you? And there's always, if we can lift our vision high enough, if we can lift ourselves into the realm of really truly being of service to each other, there's always common ground, but sometimes we get stuck in the low levels of conflict and we don't see it. So my hope is that it elevates people to, uh, to greater levels of happiness and fulfillment. Oh, what an amazing goal. And it might be the Texas in you, but you have such an amazing Brene Brown vibe when you talk about this. Like, I just like, oh, I'm, I'm glowing. She's, she has such a large impact on who I am now, as opposed to who I used to be. And I just feel like, um, you have such a vibe similar to hers. Oh, I love Brene Brown. And I love it. I love the whole idea of be authentic, be vulnerable, that there is strength in that. It's the paradox again. It's like, if I want to be strong, I have to be absolutely 100% who I am. And when we allow ourselves to do that, again, with the non-attachment and really focus on build the imagination, build the vision, what can I do? And how can I step into that? Uh, There isn't an issue. I truly believe there is not a challenge on the planet that we cannot solve together if we can be resilient like that. If we can be creative and innovative together. Yeah. 100%. So you have a Facebook community where anybody who is, or I assumed it was Facebook. It was a community and I made an assumption, um, where anybody can join and get a support, um, to this level. Yeah. So you go to whatifup.org, you sign up for the club. We'll give you the link to the Facebook group. It's all free. It's a nonprofit. We are totally member supported. Uh, so hop in there. If you've got, what we do is if you have a challenge and you're like, Hey, I'm really stuck today. I'm in this downward spiral. I had somebody once say, um, she had gone through a divorce. She hadn't dated in years and she was getting ready for a date. And she's like, I'm so nervous about this date. Can you, what if up with me? And she posted it in the group and suddenly there's like, you know, like there's a hundred messages of people saying, you know, what if you, you just have fun? What if you lighten up, you know, all these ideas. So if you're feeling like I'm, I'm at the precipice of something that could be big. And I want to, whether it's, I want to have ideas for solving a problem or just, I want some possibilities that will have me feel good stepping into this thing. You know, I want to feel empowered. I want to feel confident and I want it to feel authentic. Uh, the group is great. And it's, you know, it's there for you all the time. Anytime you need anything. Um, it's, it's a wonderful community and we have small groups that you can join as well. Amazing. If anybody wants to follow up on this conversation, wants to continue connecting with you in any way, what's the best way for them to contact you? Oh gosh, the Facebook group is great. Uh, you can DM me there. Uh, you can reach out to me through Mendy, M-E-N-D-H-I at whatifup.org. And that's my direct email. And I love connecting with people and I love um, supporting you in, in bringing your good ideas to life, as we say. Perfect. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes. I want to switch for just a minute to the success element of this podcast. So um, anybody who's heard my story knows that I was asked a very, um, a a question that really changed the directory of my life while I was in, um, in therapy. And she said, I said, I just feel so unsuccessful out of everything that I've accomplished. I just feel unsuccessful. And she says, what does success mean to you? And I said, I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me that question. So on this podcast, I ask every single one of my guests, what does success mean to you? How do you define it for yourself? And how does it inform the decisions that you make regarding the direction that your life takes? Oh, juicy, juicy question. That is such a great question. I would say for me, I think the traditional definition of success is very hollow to me. Uh, For me, success is um, living in joy. It's doing things that make me happy and using my unique gifts and skills to enrich the world in, in whatever way that I can. So to me, that's what success is. Um, It's led me down roads that, you know, if you were to look at the traditional levels of, okay, money or status or all those things. It's like, okay, those things are not my, my milestones. Um, I look for whose life have I impacted? Who can I help? And am I, am I there for them at those moments when they need it? To me, that feels 
like success. So um, that's how I make my decisions is I, for a while there, I used to tell people I get paid in stories. <laughs> I get paid in, in people coming to me and saying, wow, this is how this impacted me. I was, the book actually came out ironically, perhaps in 2008. Oh, wow. Right. So the book, what if it all goes right, came out during that financial meltdown where, you know, getting speaking engagements and all the things I thought of, my whole business plan kind of went. <laughs> <laughs> but what I found was the people who needed it, uh, it was, it was the right message for people who I just lost my job. What do I do? I just, you know, everything that I thought I was going to do, all my plans just went down the drain. So what if it all goes right? And what if everything that's happening is happening for your good? What would that be? And what is it that you want to create? So um, that's what success is to me is, uh, you know, really living in our joy, doing what uh, we're It's so good. Um, your book back in 2008 that I don't want to say that was a long time ago. It's not Amber. Don't say that. Did you self publish or did you work with a publisher back then? I worked with um, Morgan James publishing okay. and I have republished it uh, once since then. And then we've got a, the 10th anniversary edition that has, um, that was about to come out, you know, with COVID and now it's like, okay, now this is just going to be the post COVID edition. Yes. Uh, because it's, the mess is fascinating because the message is very much the same. Um, it, I sometimes it surprises me because I look at the things that I wrote in 2008 and I'm like, wow, we're still living in a lot of fear. We're still living with a lot of that, you know, doom and gloom, Armageddon into the world. Like it's coming like that kind of conversation. So it's still very relevant. It's just, we're, we, we've got different stories to tell now. And yeah. uh, how, do we, how do we rise above that conversation that's so pervasive right now and look at, okay, that's, that may be what is, but that isn't our destiny. You know, what is the destiny that we want to create? What is the vision that we hold? And what if there's still plenty of time for us to, uh, to rise up and to take action and to create the vision that we've imagined? Yeah. And I think that, you know, avoiding all of the trigger conversations of politics and whatever's going on right now, I think that this is just an example of how important it is to truly control the environment that you choose to live in. Because we live in a world where us being upset or emotional about something makes somebody else money. Mm -hmm. And to be able to shut out that stuff. I mean, I'm an immigration attorney in Las Vegas and people will ask me all the time, what do you think about this immigration thing? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about because I choose not to watch the news. Mm-hmm. Like when it's important, all of the resources that I use for my legal practice will tell me that it's important until then it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think that what you're doing in creating these masterminds is giving people a place to focus their attention that breeds positivity instead of emotional reactions. Yeah. And we can tell when you start practicing it, you can tell very quickly when you start going down that rabbit hole because it feels so different. And Mm -hmm. everyone around you, when you're in a community where this is how we talk is like, we look for the possibility. Uh, When someone goes down that rabbit hole, it's like, you can feel it. It's like, everybody kind of goes, what just happened? Like, that's not what we do. Where did you just go? Yeah. It happens. And you can do this. What's cool is you can do this with people who don't even know what you're doing. I had someone say once she read the book and she was living with her father who was very, you know, uh, curmudgeonly. And so she was like putting the book out. I think you should read this book, dad. I think you should read this book. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. So she just started saying, she just started doing it. Like she just started throwing in, you know, he'd say, what if it all falls apart? And she was like, well, what if it doesn't? And it's like, boom, you've just neutralized a downward spiral. Like you can take, if you're around the water cooler and the conversation starts going down into that, you know, what if so-and-so does this or so-and-so says that all you have to do is, so, you know, what if it doesn't, what if it works out and people will gravitate. I think one of the reasons we complain so much is because we long for connection so much and that's how people tend to connect. Yes. What if you can learn to connect in a different way? It feels so much better. 
So. Oh my gosh. I am absolutely in love with this whole conversation and I could talk to you all day, but yes. neither of us have all day, unfortunately. Um, I am so incredibly grateful for the opportunity to connect with you and share this conversation. I love what you're doing. I'm excited to continue to check out the book in your community. Um, one more time for anybody who may have missed it earlier, what's the best way to connect with you? whatifup.org. Head on over there, join the club. It's free. And I'm in the Facebook group all the time. And we have, we just love to have you as, as part of our community, get to get to practice stepping into possibility together. Awesome. And it would not be the more than corporate podcast without a quick random round. Are you ready for a few oh. questions? Oh, okay. The heat is on. The heat <laughs> is on, right? There's no buzzers though. So right. okay. Um, <laughs> If you could do anything other than what you're doing now, what profession do you think would be fun to attempt? Oh, profession. A profession. Uh, maybe a, a bird watcher. Uh, maybe an ornithologist. Of course, <laughs> right? Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? Oh, you know, I would love to see the future. I would love to see the future that I envision that we're creating for um, – creating a world that works. I do think it's possible and I think it's inevitable. I think we'll eventually get there. I'd love to see it. Oh my gosh. Um, other than your amazing book, What If It All Goes Right, and your wonderful podcast, the What If It All Goes Right podcast, what resources have you recommended the most to people in the personal development space? Gosh, I love Patrick Lencioni's books on leadership. Um, they're spiritually based, but they're really great on just getting to the basics of mission and purpose and values, because I think the more clarity that you have, the easier it is to create. Obviously that's where it's funny because so many times people think they're going in there for the ideas, but they really don't even have the clarity for what they want. So I think his books are a great tool. Oh, I'm excited to check them out. And lastly, this is purely self-serving. Um, I am a music nerd. What is your pump up song? My pump up song. You know, that is, a great, <laughs> so I, I have to say, and this is kind of a shameless plug, but it also is the truth. There is a song out. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm also a musician. I'm also a musician. Like, what do you <laughs> not do? Not, not. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a hacker musician. I love music. I used to be a radio DJ. So I, <laughs> of course you radio. did. I love music. There's a song by Amy Scruggs called What If It All Goes Right. Oh, yes. The country song is just now hitting the charts. And Amy and I, once I found out she had the song and she found out I had the book, we started collaborating together and we're like, this is a movement, this idea, what if it all goes right? This is a movement. So, so we are collaborating, co-creating together and um, the more the merrier. So if you haven't checked out, if you haven't heard the song, go Google it, go to YouTube. What if it all goes right? Amy Scruggs. It's a good pump you up, feel good song. Oh my gosh, I'm excited to check it out. Mendy, thank you so much for sharing some time with us. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Amber. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that's that sounds like something that you're interested in. The name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.